trauma and pain can close people off. You know, it's like that old saying, smile in the world, smiles with cry, you cry alone. It's not necessarily because you are alone. It's because you block love coming in and block love going out if you let it manifest. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarkrow.com. I'm delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair today by Michelle Bauge. Michelle is in Glasgow, Scotland, and has spent most of her career to date in sports development. But according to Michelle, the biggest learning for her has come from her years studying personal development, particularly how the mind works. This has ignited a fire within her and provided Michelle with the clarity, increased self-awareness, higher sense of self and a clear direction for her life. And I must say, you know, I first got to connect with Michelle through the online platform LinkedIn, and I've really been struck by Michelle's consistent positivity and sense of purpose in everything that she talks about. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. A huge honour to be asked. So, yep, here I am. So, Michelle, for our listeners, just tell us a little bit about your your own background. So, yeah, it's mainly focused around sport, sports development. You know, sport was all I knew. You know, I played sport. Felt like the only thing I was really good at. So um, it was, you know, after I had, I had two girls quite young and I thought once they were kind of one in three, I thought I need to go, I need to go back and train. I need to do something that's going to be able to financially support us. So I'm back and studied sports, coaching with development and then landed a job in sports development. So so that's, sports seems like the big focus for my life, but I've always been deeply interested in psychology and certainly more in the last 10 years, sort of a personal development. And due to kind of life experiences, I think it takes you on different paths. So I love that's my job. I have a deep interest in self-development, psychology, how the mind works and how people overcome adversity and how others become trapped in adversity, I guess. So I grew up in quite a socially deprived area. So I've yeah, it's always something, even when I was younger, even although, as I said, sport was a focus, it's something that I've um, always been interested in, how people thrive and feel unable to thrive, I guess. And I, I think Martin Seligman, the 
psychologist put it so well. He said, you know, we can't change our experiences in life, but we can change the explanation. And, you know, as you said so well, there are some people, for whatever reason, do get trapped Mm -hmm. uh, or really stuck in tough times and other people are able to learn to navigate or grow through them. I mean, how did you, I mean, clearly you've you've had some tough times, Michelle, in your past. Yep. Yeah. Um, And I think... I think for me, faith was a huge part of it. You know, and I don't want to go down the religious, although I do have religious faith. It's more about, it's wider than that. You know, I've looked at all different kinds of faith and I think it's just that ability to see beyond your worst moment, to believe that better things are to come. And I think that's what kind of got me through. You know, life just kept knocking the wind from my sails, you know. And I don't really talk about it that much. I more talk about where I'm at. I guess I do kind of focus on hope, but there was there was a long path to get here. And it was reading, it was listening to podcasts, it was writing, it was everything and anything. It was walking, it was football, it was anything that would um, just give me something to hang on to in the worst times. Well, as they say, you know, the darkest hour always comes before the dawn. I think, you know, hope is a wonderful, positive emotion that that belief that, you know, things can get better. And that mm-hmm. things will get better, Be- not some delusional idea, but because of what you're going to do about it. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And I think it's, you know, you're always kind of reluctant to say, you know, if you've experienced domestic violence or trauma, anything that people have experienced that's kind of just made life really difficult. You never want to say, oh, I'm grateful for that. But of course, no one. But whether you look forward or not, it's already happened. Stay there and you'd be stuck in where whatever's happening. Look forward, no matter what, it doesn't change what's already happened. You know, and I think that's that was a real kind of turning point for me. Nothing you do can change the past. So you've got to just keep driving forward and find a way to move on. And that can be such a tough lesson to learn. Yeah. Because the way our human brains are, are wired, we can often get stuck in the past, ruminating with regret or thinking things over and over that, that you can't change anyway. So learning that you can't change the past and learning to to grow from it by taking a positive step. That's yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. And I think it's, as I said, when, when you when you speak from a place where it's like, it almost can come across like that's what you've always done. You know, it's been getting up every day and trying something different. And, you know, as I said, reading another book, listening to another podcast, listening to a TED talk. You know, I think, you know, everything, people that I will never meet have helped me in more ways than they could ever could ever know, you know. And I think it's it's the willingness to seek out that, you know, and try. It's just the willingness. To, but if you keep on trying and I can wholeheartedly say that will make a difference, you know. Life now makes sense, even the worst parts of it. I wouldn't relive them, but everything just feels like it makes sense. And that's a nice place to be. Yes. So in a way, do you feel while you wouldn't like to go through the tough times again, do you you feel they've helped make you the person you are today? Yeah, you know, it's funny because that's something that comes up. And I think I was always who I am. I don't have became a new person. I think I was lost in the despair. I think this is when I think back to who I was at seven, you know, when I was 11, 
you know, addition for a pantomime. It wasn't West End, so keep it real. It was the pavilion in Glasgow. I was in the pantomime. I played a male-dominated sport at a time when it wasn't like it is today. I wasn't afraid to be seen until I was. Then I just spent years hiding, just layering up and just, yeah, arming many brown. And it's only now I go, no, wait a minute. I always had that cut. It was just hidden underneath all the layers of pain, I guess. To answer your question, I think um, I am who I was always born to be. I just, you know, had that the wind knocked from my sails. But thankfully, it was still in there somewhere because I was mm. able to dig deep. I think that's that's a wonderful reflection and answer. And, you know, it's got me thinking about the old Sanskrit idea of samskaras. You know, they describe it that we in many ways are like a big Spanish onion. Mm-hmm. And, but we become caked in layer after layer after layer of setbacks and struggles and, you know, the day to day challenges that we all face in life. And we get caked in these things. But actually, if you uh-huh. if you pe- peel them away, like you peel away the layers of an onion, you get back into the heart of the onion, which really is pure love, which uh-huh. really, in a way, is who we all are, really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I truly believe that. And I think it's and I think having a community of people around you is another really strong who are able to see that when you can. And um, because the, the problem with trauma and pain can close people off, you know, it's like that old saying, smile in the world, smiles with you, cry, you cry alone. It's not necessarily because you are alone. It's because you block love coming in and block love going out if you let it manifest. Yes. And sometimes I find as well, you know, the people that are experiencing isolation and loneliness, it can be difficult for them to reach out because yeah. paradoxically, they, while they know they need, should do, they, they, they yeah. feel they can't. There's like a barrier there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably my one goal would be for anyone just not to feel alone in their suffering, you know, and depending on your challenges, if it's like, a, you know, I always remember when I was in work thinking if I could go in and say I was divorced, that would be so much easier. You know, if I could say that, because people get that. It's a universal, and that doesn't take away the pain that comes with people who are divorced, but it's a universal universal issue. People have been through it. But trying to go into a workplace and say your deepest, hardest things just didn't seem, you know, so it does make you feel alone in your suffering, you know, because you just can't share. And I think that's the pain for people is not being able to share. Yes. What became the real tipping point for you, Michelle, in terms of moving from that space of not being able to share to suddenly seeing things very differently? I think lockdown. Lockdown for me was, isn't that, again, it's so hard to say because I know so many people lost people um, are, are really deeply affected. For me, for once in my life, I wasn't alone. It was that everyone was in it together. You know, I wasn't at home alone facing so it was everyone was experiencing similar but different and it gave me a chance because I had you know I just get up and go to work as long as I'm going to work um, everything's normal that's what I've done I just bought a latte I smiled I played football at lunchtime but there was so much going on and lockdown when they said you need to work from home I was like oh what do I do now I have nowhere to run you know I can't micromanage myself through this I need to sit still and I think that I started writing and, and as I typed, the words were just, you know, I think I've probably collectively wrote about 100,000 words. 
maybe more than that. And it, wow. it just making wow. sense of everything that happened. And and that's when I wrote the children's book as well. And yeah, that was lockdown, I think, was the shift. And once I see once I was writing and I could see each story, each kind of, if you like, chapter of my life where it went, I was able to see it for what it was. And the shame I'd carried was never mine to carry. And it just, it was so liberating. And since then, it's like all this crazy stuff keeps, you know, being invited on your podcast, all this, you know, really lovely stuff. It's like, can't explain it. It's just been such an amazing couple of years. When you wrote, Michelle, did you write about your experiences? Yeah, I wrote it as, as almost like a third person, like I was writing. Um, so I wrote lots of short stories. And then I've got, you know, like almost like a, if you were, imagine, you know, they say, write like no one's ever going to see it. So I kind of formatted it like a book. And that's got chapters and that's very focused on my life from pretty much not at the beginning, but I'm not going into great details, even though I spend the time on all the worst things that's happened. I wanted to spend the time on the lessons. So, so yeah, it was like each chapter and it just, I don't know, it just gave me such clarity, I think. So it's really, really interesting, the clarity we can get from writing and the catharsis. And there's this chap called James Pennebacher in, in Austin, Texas, who he spent his whole career about the benefits of expressive writing and how it can really, really build resilience, well-being and really put someone on a new path who's uh-huh. overcome adversity. And it sounds like that's what it's done for you. Yeah, yeah, it has, Mark. And, and I think as well, because like, I never, you know, as I said, most of it, 90% I haven't shared. I share some snippets. LinkedIn's the only social media I use. So I've shared some snippets on that when I started writing. So my daughter was 16 when she had my granddaughter and the children's book was inspired by my granddaughter who had a full village around her but I was aware that not everyone in that situation does have a village so again it was about helping hopefully one child feel less alone you know and it's about harnessing self-love so Mm. but when I started writing that I never sat down and said I'm going to write a book it was just the same as everything I wrote it was just a story that just came and I just kept writing and writing and writing and still no one's seen it apart from my granddaughter so, um, but it should hopefully be ready when everything's, I think it's at print now. So it should be ready in the next couple of weeks. And I had to go and research how to publish and what to write yeah. and how it should be formed because I had no idea. And that was never my intention. Yes. So in other words, the book just came from you, really. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. wonderful. What are you going to call it? Have you a name, it's, title? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's called A Heart Full of Love. The Heart Full of Love. Beautiful. A Heart Full of Love. Yep. Beautiful. And I'm sure listeners will be able to get that on Amazon. And Yes, um, it's be Amazon and Waterstones and stuff. Um, Fantastic. I look forward to buying, I want to buy a signed copy, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's fantastic. And I mean, you, you strike me, Michelle, being a very grateful person. Is that yeah, true to I'm, say? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so grateful. And again, I think along with sport and my love for reading, gratitude has been a true blessing, I think. Again, that's something I've had since I was young. I was always just, always looking for the silver lining. I can reframe anything. And I think probably that's when the challenge, the, the biggest challenge was when I couldn't reframe. 
the first thing that I couldn't reframe and shape up into someone didn't mean to do that, you know, that kind of, I think maybe they're just having a bad day, you know, I couldn't reframe mm-hmm. it. And I think that was probably when I hit my kind of hardest moments. But still you found a way to get through it. Which but still I found a way, still I found a way, yep. Gratitude played an important role for you. Yeah, huge part, yep. Do you have a written gratitude practice? Do you talk about what you're grateful for? I mean, how do you how do you bring gratitude into your everyday life? So I have a very, again, morning routine that I introduced about a year and a half to two years ago. Um, and it was after, because life as it is, and even still now, you know, my daughter was 16 when she had a baby. You know, things can be not always go to plan. So... You couldn't always, and not just for that, just because life happens. So, you know, we wake up and if you're on your phone, the life can take you in whatever direction you allow it. So I decided that I was going to take the first hour for myself and I wasn't going to let the world in. So I get up every morning. I don't go on my phone, go straight into, I make my bed. Then I do one and a half minute plank, three minute wall sit, 25 press ups, a full body stretch, five minute meditation. And then I do a set intentions for the day, like who do I want to show up for, uh, who do I want to show up as, and what three things I'm grateful for. So I do that every day. And that's been, I'd say, along with the writing and everything else, that's been one of the, because it feels like you're on the front foot, you're starting life on the front foot, you're not on the back foot, scrolling, see something, got a message, respond to that, you know, you kind of get that zen before and, and life will still happen but you because of your intentions and your gratitude you you can reset a lot quicker I would say. I think that's great advice Michelle and so much can happen to any of us during the day yeah. and you know life gets busy and we can all get distracted but the start of the day that that as you said that golden hour at the start can really set you off the right way and it sounds like you have a wonderful series of practices and yeah. you, you do you do that pretty much every morning. Pretty much every morning. There'll be the odd morning where I'll think I may be going to go for a, you know, a hot bath and read my book because that feels more, mm. but it's just still taking that time. But I, I pretty much, I'm one of these people that say I'm going to do something. That's what I, So uh, yeah, 99% of the time, that's what I do. And you know, there's so much science now behind what's called the uh, the relaxation response, which is, you know, it's it's the kind of opposite to the stressed state that yeah. so many people find themselves in. And it sounds like that habit, that series of practices you have, including your gratitude practice, it's a wonderful way to get you into that relaxed, but aware, attentive state at the start of your day. Yep. Yep. It just, to say that just feels like it does regulate the body, even just with the stretching, because the stretching... The plank and the wall sit and the press-ups, not unusual for me because that would have been, you know, it kind of forms into the exercise that I've always done. But the stretching and the meditation is, was completely new for me. Um, I used to be so distracted, you know, like when I was trying it initially. Now I'm like, when the five minutes is up, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do longer, you know. <laughs> I think it's it's just such a nice way as well because it might be as well who they are not so much need who do I want to make contact with today you know there's people you go I need to speak to them but I've not it just just resets you know anything you've got to do or prioritize the important things not the tasks your day-to-day you know hanging up the washing and going for shopping they're things that need to be done but I mean the really meaningful tasks of life Mm, absolutely so I mean 
they are your main health habits, Michelle. Do you have anything else you do apart from that hour in the morning yeah. to stay healthy, to stay fit, to stay engaged? Yep. I walk it. I always do um, a minimum of 10,000 steps a day. So I'll always be out for at least half an hour, it, like purposely half an hour. And then, you know, I'll make up the rest of the time or else it might be an hour, depending on what I'm doing. Um, I play football still, which I haven't actually played for a couple of months, but that's it's just been circumstantial. So I'll get back to that. And yeah, so they're the kind of main things. Walking, definitely, that's my... And that, again, I always walked, like, you know, but during lockdown, I walked with purpose. And I realised there's a difference from walking when you're trying to go from A to B than when you make the time to walk. Because at that point, I'll maybe put in a podcast and just you just learn so much from podcasts and listen to people, you know, and again, that was another huge thing during lockdown, was tuning in and listening to just the greatest lessons I've learned, you know. So, yeah, so walking and football, they're my two. Um, I do, I've, I've been to classes and stuff as well, but I've not went back to classes since lockdown. I've kind of just did my own, managed my own event as well, but I don't, like, I don't only monitor the distance. I don't try, and it's just really for fitness. Well, I think you're so right. I think, you know, exercise and movement are the greatest pills of all. But, yeah. you know, the university of life is definitely the greatest teacher there is. And it's never been easier to learn so many wonderful lessons. We don't have to experience everything ourselves mm. to learn. We can learn other people have gone through before us, whether that's the great philosophers of time gone past or even people right now. I mean, there's there's so many great people that are really opening up and sharing, sharing yeah. ideas and life lessons. Just listen to them. I mean, it's, you can, I think if you, if you take one thing, one small idea from a conversation and apply it in your own life, you can really yeah. over time make such, such a difference. Michelle, I, I want to come back to something you said earlier on in the conversation, which really tweaked my interest, but I didn't ask you specifically yeah. at the time. And that was, you spoke about the fact that you've, you've tried a lot of religions, but you spoke about, um, you know, moving beyond the darkest moment and having mm -hmm. and that faith for you was was a strong component of that. Yeah. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what faith means for you in your life and how that differs from religion? I mean, are you talking about spirituality when you talk about faith that way? Yeah, I mean, I do. As I said, it's hard because I was um, raised Catholic, but I don't like to kind of because I know then that kind of closes. No maybe isolate other people because there is there is a Catholic what I've known the faith and when I go to there was one night in particular when life was just it was a Sunday and I and I left the house and I walked and I had no idea where I was going. I just I couldn't run, I couldn't stay, I couldn't and I found myself at the local chapel, which there was a mass just about to start. And I hadn't been in in years, you know, and I sat down at the back and when the priest started speaking, you know, I was just so upset. And it felt like everyone was spoken just for me. Of course it wasn't, but that's what it felt like that night. And that for me is what faith is. I could have walked into another, you know, place of worship and could have felt just that standing still, standing still and listening. And, you know, I lit a candle for everyone that night after I'd lit one for everyone. Again, I was just overwhelmed with emotion and I just thought, I'm going to light one for myself. And it's just so hard to put into words. But I've 
you know, I read Tina Turner's book and she spoke a lot about Buddhism and I got loads of lessons from that. So, yeah, I'll, just, I'll tap into, you know, I love proverbs, you know, from all different religions. So, um, yeah, I don't know how to sum up faith. I think for me, I suppose it's, there's part of what I've always known and I tap into that, you know, and that's just praying, hoping, wishing. And then there is life happens to everyone, spirituality sense, you know, the energy fields and where you're placing your energy and that's another side, <laughs> but it all intertwines, if that mm. makes any sense at all. No, absolutely. Because I think, I think, you know, some people can be spiritual and religious, but some people can be spiritual and have no sort of formal <laughs> religious connection whatsoever. Oh. And, you know, I think that is one of the downsides of any religious practice yeah. that it can, it can, as you said, it can close other people off and create that yeah. sense of them and us versus everyone yeah. together. People feel, I think, then feel out of the tent or feel disconnected or isolated. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, can, I, I love the sort of the principle of whatever your God is, whatever, you know, sometimes you're not praying to, you're just praying for an energy field that none of you really know about. You know, you don't have the answers and you're seeking them to whoever that is. None of us really know, but it's just accepting that you don't have what it is you need right now and you're asking for it from somewhere else, from someone else. And I think when you look at, you're speaking about energy, when you, when you look at quantum mechanics and how everything exists as a wave as well as a particle, as it were. And then when you look at things like quantum entanglement and how people and things can be connected, even though they're a long way away and how this has all been shown through science and physics, there is so much we, we don't understand. But I, I think the basics of being a good person are, are universal to all cultures and civilizations. A hundred percent, Mark. And I think that's, and again, some people say, well, I've, you know, I, again, come back to when you grow up, you think, if I do good, I can be a slight hindrance because that life does happen to everyone. And it's, I know. you know, but when you think, when you're a child and you think, as long as I do good, then good things will happen. You know, terrible things happen to good people every day. It's no reflection on them whatsoever. It's just life happens. And that's just the unfortunate side of it. You're absolutely right. I loved how you shared there a few minutes ago, how when you were in that dark spot and, and you went for the walk and you ended up in the church and you lit a number of candles. And at the end, you lit a candle for yourself. I love that, mm -hmm. Michelle. To me, that really speaks to this idea of, you know, self-compassion and and being there for you too, being kind to yourself, uh, yeah. that you are deserving of love and, and care and attention. I think that's such an important message. I think it is, Mark. And I think because I when I um, later, not at the time, like years later, during lockdown, when I wrote, um, sometimes in life you have to write, light your own candle. And there was a, an article I wrote about that. But because if you don't, you can't light anyone else's, you know, on that night, I lit one for everyone else because that's where I was at at that moment. It took me to the late moment to go, oh, I'm going to light one for myself. And I lit one for myself and I prayed for myself. But, you know, you can't light that we know, you can't go from an empty cup. And I think that's where my morning routine, got everything I do is to allow me to show up for other people because that's the most important thing to me, you know. It's not so as I can be... When it comes to, I say all of this, when it comes to achievement, there's there's no big great reward. Well, there is a personal reward and a 
you know, something that money can't buy reward you, but it's just to allow me to keep showing up for people and keep being the best version of myself that I can. And I think that's a really, really important message to keep showing up for yourself and to understand that doing that enables you to be there for other people as well. And really, that's really the start. The starting point. Self care is really the starting point on that journey, not not the end zone. Michelle, can you share for our listeners three take homes for a resilient mind? I think it would be gratitude, definitely gratitude. It's so loosely said, but more about you know just believing in better things to come. A sense of hope. A sense of hope. I'd actually. And I think when you have to give, then you always have. In that moment, you'll think, given everything I've got, but there's still more there. And you just, that's where the resiliency comes in. And I think it's so, it's so easy to forget all in your worst moment, in your best days. You know, we know the tools, the resources, everywhere to go. They are all there. It's in your worst moments. And I actually have a, what works in my worst days kind of notes I have I have that down because it's so easy to forget when you're in the depths of despair you know it's like go for a walk you know it's it can be so kind of yeah I think they're they're they kind of have a go-to list and and know that no matter where you feel you're at you've still got more in there you've still got that you're still more there Mm. I mean I think that's a really really important idea you know, when we're surfing the wave of wellness in life, it's so easy to take exercise. It's so easy to reach out and connect with your friends or or do the habits that, you know, we all know about. But it's actually when you're under stress, so many people go back in their shell, so many people ret- retreat and withdraw and stop doing the very basic things that will enable them to embrace the stress and get through it, as it were. I think having that list for your tough days, I think that's a brilliant insight. Yeah, and I think as well, like like we said before as well, like love, not just letting the love out, but letting the love in. Faith comes into the, the resiliency as well. It, it all seems so isolated, but it's all so interlinked. Um, but I think let love in, allow yourself to be seen, because that will, you know, you build strength from others. And that's probably one of the greatest, because I did close off and it made it so hard. And now I'm, now I'm like, I can't imagine, you know, Feeling that isolated is what I felt at certain moments. I know from reading your LinkedIn, Michelle, that you say that Eager's book, The Choice, is one of your all-time favourite books. Wow. So I'm just reflecting on that right now in real time, you know, in terms of letting the light and letting the love in, because her story was an incredible story, wasn't it? It was one of the best books I've, I've ever read, actually. And I think... That she has so many important messages. I read the choice and I read the gift, and there is so much for anyone. I mean, I think I've, I think I've seen there's a gift to about five people. Just as I, I know, they will love it and get so much from it. And I think I love her. There's no hierarchy to trauma. Oh, it was just incredible. I would any books I would ever. It was one of the first ones I would ever say to anyone. Actually, it was really good. And I think. Just going back to resiliency as well, Mark. Sorry, before it was consistency as well. Keep showing up, keep trying. Dr. Edith Edgar, yeah. <laughs> I'd listened to her a lot on podcasts before I read the book, which was nice because when I had to go back and hear her 
really hear her early part of the story. I was able to, my mind worked, I knew she'd made it out, so I was able to read and, yeah, she's just phenomenal. So what I hear you saying, Michelle, is that your top three tips for building a resilient mind would include, firstly, that sense of hope and realistic optimism. Secondly, letting the light in, letting the love in to include faith and self-compassion and self-care. And thirdly, to keep showing up for yourself, to be consistent, even on the tough times, even on the tough days. Yep. And on your best days, when you know it works, get that list and keep it. And if you need to refer back to it, on your work, remember, go back and look at it because it will help. It will remind you when things aren't as clear. That's your reminder what you need to do. And you're so right. And we that's the thing. We all do need reminders because we're all we're all human. <laughs> I know this is like an everyday an everyday learning, isn't it? It's never we're never done. Like and you see like on LinkedIn, I see posts and, and posts you post as well, and you're just like you know, you might be thinking about something, you're like, but it's, that's a crazy, well, no, it's not crazy, the inspiring thing, when you're so open to message, so open to grow, so open to heal, the messages will come in every day, you see something mm. that someone else has wrote, posted, worked on, and you think, great, and you can take a wee bit of that as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really key philosophy of mine, this idea of staying open and, you know, to never stop learning and growing and you know life is an adventure and it's never too late to change and to start again you know really isn't you know that's not a cliche it's really never too late as long as you're still you're still breathing you can still change things absolutely and finally michelle for you what's the meaning of life the meaning of life i think for me the meaning of life is love kindness and compassion they are the theme of this world marks to me more than how well I've loved and how well I've treated people. And not just my people, my family. It's easy to love the people we care for, the people we're invested in, but I just mean wider humanity and just people you've never met. You know, I see someone struggling and I just think, I hope your day gets better. I hope life gets better. It's just a silent prayer, a silent wish. I think it just all comes down to love, kindness and compassion. They are the things that, for me, the meaning of life. Everything else is a bonus. They're what needs to be working. (laughs) Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me in the doctor's chair. Keep letting the light in, as you say. Keep leading and learning, inspiring others and bringing your purpose and passion into the world. Michelle, thanks for being in the doctor's chair. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com.